good to see all of you here today. And um, Isaiah 45 and 11, if we read this, let me find my place here. Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and His Maker, also, also, me of things to come concerning, I mean, ask of me of things to come, my son, concerning the work of my hands. What's the rest of that say if you're reading? Command ye me. God has given us that we can command his hand to do things that concerning his work. We can command his hand. Now let's look at Jeremiah, Matthew 16 and 18, if you would please. Matthew 16 and 18. Now Jesus says, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The word rock there means revelation. Without a vision, we perish. Without a revelation from God, we perish. We must have things from God. We're going to title this, A Great and Mighty Harvest. God is alive. He's not dead. He's pouring out His Spirit. He's pouring out. He's not just trinkling. He's pouring out His Spirit. A.W. Tozar. I won't go in about him many years ago, his ministry. said, the world is waiting to hear a genuine, real, true, pure voice from God. Not an echo of what others have done, nor saying, but a genuine, real, pure voice from God. From God. Amen. Brother Ken, I believe what you said this morning about the voice talking to you. You say, well, I don't know. He never talked to me, but I tell you, he's a talking God. He has a voice. won't share with you what happened to Elijah when he heard the voice. It's good to hear the voice of God. Jeremiah 30 and 17. I will restore health unto thee. I will heal thee. I will heal thee, saith the Lord. Peggy got a good report. She still got a cough and issue, but she got a good report. They were well pleased with what they're seeing. Well pleased. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 31 and 17, there is hope in thy end. How many know that there's hope for your end? Hmm? There's hope. He said, there's hope for your end, saith the Lord, that thy children shall come again from their own borders. They're coming again. You're going to be surprised who's going to come. 
Naomi came home. The prodigal son came home. The Bible's full of people. Brother Don said, and we should really pray for our nation. And don't go by too much what they say. God can change their mind. One man said, I won't go, but he changed his mind. I tell you, you get, get God involved working on people's mind. He can change their mind. Wise men always changes their mind. They change their mind. Now, Jeremiah 33 and 3, we're going to turn over and read that. And we're going to get, well, we're already getting started. Jeremiah 33 and 3. I heard Barbara Coates quote this not too long ago. Just quoted it out. Call unto me. I will answer you. How many believe when you call, God's going to answer? If it's concerning his kingdom, the things that he said, Mr. Barber, you spoke out something when tonight. I believe with you. Amen. I believe what you were speaking. Glory to God. And I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God is in the giving business. He gives revelation. He opens his book unto us. Now let's look at another scripture here. Verse 6. We'll read through verse 8. Behold, I will bring it health. When the Bible speaks about healing and health, it's not always talking about the flesh. Sometimes your mind needs to be healed. Is that right? Sometimes your spirit needs to be healed. Amen? Sometimes relationships need to be healed. He's in the healing business. You ought to shout, he's in the healing business. Now that, that's what he is in kind of business. Amen? Brother Jonathan Belk, I really don't know what kind of business he's in, but he's in a great business. But Jesus is in the healing business. You bring your request to him. You can depend on him. You can't depend on nothing in this world, but you can depend on him. Then he says, I will cure them and reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. I mean, need abundant peace. How many need abundance of truth? You shall know the truth, and he shall set you free. Jesus is the truth. Brother Ken was touching this morning on the Holy Ghost. When he comes, he's here today. He said, when he comes, he will lead you. Let me back up a few verses there. Jesus said, I have so much to tell you, so much I want to tell you, but you're not able to receive it. But he said, when the Holy Ghost comes, he will teach you, guide you, and revealed you all things about me. Now, don't go back. Just you can't understand the Holy Ghost is going to teach you. He's going to teach you about Jesus. The reason he's going to teach you about Jesus is because he's the truth. And once he teaches the truth, you'll be free. Whom the Lord has set free is free indeed. There's a mighty harvest right outside this door. This atmosphere is filled with the glory of God. I will cause the captive of Judah and the captive of Israel to return and will build them as it is first. Verse 8. And I will cleanse them from all of their iniquities whereby they have sinned against me. I will pardon all their iniquities 
wherefore they have sinned, and whereby they have transgressed against me. Jesus said, I am going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. It can't. The Bible says we're sin abound. Now, we're living in a world where sin abound. Paul said in the last days, lawlessness will increase. We're seeing that. We're seeing it like we've never seen it before. But be of good courage, for sin abound. Much more so does the grace of God abound. The grace of God is abounding more than what sin and lawlessness is abounding. It's abounding. Brother Ken was telling us this morning about where he read about the Iranians are getting the Holy Ghost. I read of the day where the Muslim are getting the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Sin may be abounding, but I know someone is abounding more. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I asked Starla this question yesterday. You know, she'd been to school studying about the brain. She's fixing to go back to school and get a master's degree studying the brain. The Bible talk about your one eye, you know. She said, that's your centered lobe right here where these two lobes come together. And I know the Scripture said if you keep your eye on Jesus, and that's one of, can I, can I just be bold this morning? That's one of our problems. We've got our eyes on too many things. We've got our eyes running fro here and eyes running there and running here and there. But there should be one focus, and that's Jesus. When our eyes is on Jesus, and I know what people are going to tell you, well, you can't do that. Well, you can if you'll train your mind. You have to train yourself. How many believe you got to train yourself? A guy come to the house the other day to do something. I had to go down to the barn and get something, come back. My dog, she get a little slow. And uh, Abigail, we appreciate you giving us that dog. That, that, that's been a wonderful dog. I tell you, when she barks, somebody, you, you better go look. Somebody's out there. Amen. She followed me down to the barn. She followed me back when I come through the gate, left the gate open. She stopped at the gate and sat down. And he said, who'd you have trained that dog? I said, I did. You, my point is, you can train your mind if you want it trained. Because you've given the power of the Holy Ghost to teach you and lead you and guide you in all truth. You can bring all things under subjection if you want to, through the power of the Holy Ghost. He said, I'm going to build my church. Acts 1 and 8, it said, You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come in your life. The same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the grave came and lived inside of us. That same power defeated death. It defeated death. When we were dead and in the trespasses of sin, he set us free. How many is glad you're free? Glad you're free. Free. Some of the worst conditions for the early church that's ever seen is not today. It was in the book of Acts. You read the book of Acts and see what kind of conditions they had. I'm telling you, it was bad. 
Saul was one of the greatest terror of the church. He slaughtered and killed, rampaged, not only him, scattering families and driving them from the homes. But Jesus said in the midst of that, I'm going to do what? I'm going to build my church. Dodie Osteen said, you could take me and set me right down in the mouth of hell and I'll build a church for Jesus Christ. But we got the power. We got the power to do it. Okay. I don't know about you, but I feel so good in the, in the Lord today. Amen. Woke up at 2 o'clock this morning, got up. Went long, I come up here. But I feel like a, if someone said like a dynamo. But I think that's what they call Diane, dynamo. But anyhow, Jesus had begun to build his church, Acts 1. He began to build his church. He's still building his church. He's still, he's not on vacation. He's still building. He don't show no favors. He's no respect to person. The church of Jerusalem multiplied. They went from 120 to 3,000, just like that. You know, God is a quick God. When he speaks, something happens. The church began to multiply among the worst conditions in the world. Acts 4 and 4. Many of these who had heard the message believed. And a number of men came with about 5,000. We have 120 one day. We have 3,000 one day. We have 5,000 the next day. He's building his church. Amen. We're all probably going to be surprised when we get to heaven how many nationalities is going to be there. Every nationality under the sun is going to be there. He's building a church in Iran and among the Muslims. And he's going to build one right here. I still believe you're going to see a helicopter land right out there and bring the worst cases in the world. And ambulance are coming and bringing the worst cases in the world. Ron Hart Bunky was preaching one time. This lady's husband died. They carried him down to the funeral home. She says, wait a minute. I didn't intend to bring him down here. Ron Hart Bunky is preaching over on a certain street. So they went over there and couldn't get him in. Said, take him down in the basement. When they got him down in the basement, he jumped up alive. The presence of God gives life. He changes life. He sets captives free. He's building a church. He's building a church. Thank God we're part of that church. Thank God we're part of that church. We find in Acts 5.14, all the more believers in the Lord multiplied, men and women were constantly being added to the church. Being constantly added. Where sin abound, and I know it's abounding and lawlessness abounding. Murder's on the rampage in a lot of cities. They can't control it. I'm telling you, there's a living God still alive building his church. Building his church. Night and day, He's building his church. He's working. Acts 6 and 7. And said the word, and, and the word of God kept on speaking, spreading. 
And the numbers of the disciples continued to be increasing greatly in Jerusalem. That's one of the worst places it was at that time in Jerusalem. They had to leave the city because it was so bad. But there God was building a church. And great many of them came. You know, the full gospel says they came to Jesus from all four corners of the earth to hear Jesus. If they did it while he's alive, how much more so while he's dead? and got out of the grave, he has promised greater works. Greater works. Amen. And what happened? And it's happening today. Acts 9.31. The church had great joy and peace being built up, going on in the fear of the Lord. And the comfort of the Holy Ghost, it continued to increase. Continued to increase. Acts 11, 21 to 24. I won't read all those scriptures, but just give you a highlight of it. Barnabas at Antioch witnessed the grace of God. He rejoiced, began to encourage them all. Remain true to the Lord. He was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And considerable numbers kept coming. I mean, you know, all over the world, they're coming right now. They're coming. You'd be surprised how many Jews are going home. They're leaving Russia. They're going home. They're coming from all over the parts of the country. You read about it. And they're coming home. Anybody know why they're coming home? It's a sign of the end time that Jesus Christ is soon to come back to this earth. Some people tell me, well, I've heard that all my life. Well, it's still going to happen. The sun's come up all these 7,000 years or whatever. But one of these days, the Lord is coming back. And it could be sooner than we think. If we believe this book, if we really believe this book, we know it can't be too much longer before he comes. He's a coming. Acts 14 and 1 said, A large number of people believed, both Jews and Greeks. This man named Francis Abiar, he was born in 1506. He died in 1552. He lived 42 years. This is what they write about him. He's seen as many as 10,000 baptized in one month. And then he, during his years on this earth, he saw over 700,000 people to come and be baptized for Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, it's not hard for God to save a few or save a many. He's God. He wants to save and deliver. He wants to set the captives free. He said, upon this church, I'm going to build my church. Jesus, if you read the four gospels, he never taught nothing but great things. Great things. He told the disciples to go fishing. They hadn't caught anything. And what did they catch? The net began to break. The boat began to sink. They had to call help because there was such a great harvest of fish. 
He's talking about souls. He's talking about winning souls, about winning the things of God. He talked about people came from all four corners of the earth. We find the queen of the south in the first kings about the fourth chapter. She came to see Solomon. She was amazed at all of his glory. She even fainted under the anointing. If you read on down, it said the kings come from all over the world and bringing gifts to Solomon. You hear what he had to say. I mean, you know, there's a greater than a Solomon among us today, and that's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. His spirit is still alive. He's still bringing good gifts to men. And one of the greatest gifts he can give is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing no greater than that. The wonderful things of God. I read an article in Charisma Magazine I want to share with you this month. And, uh, and all of Solomon's glory that he had, and all the riches that he had, if it had not been for God, he wouldn't have had nothing. He had a dream one night, and God showed him in the dream what he would do. And he believed it. The greater one is with us than Solomon. The greater one is with us. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll do what? I'm going to do what? I'm going to draw all men unto myself. I'm going to draw all men, not to any particular church, any particular religion. He said, I'm going to draw all men to myself. To myself. Wonderful dynamic article here in the Charisma magazine this month. I'm just going to read you some highlights. The headlines is how I learned to fight hate with love. I mean, you know, the greatest weapon that God can give us is love. Huh? Heidi Baker's got a wonderful dynamic book, Love Like Fire. Dynamic ministry down there in Mozambique, one of the poorest countries on the face of this earth. Jensen Franklin got a little book out. Love like you feel when you've been hate. Love. Love covers the multitude of sin. Many waters can't quench it. Brian Houston in Australia got a church of 100,000. He expresses the need of love. How I many know when you get the Holy Ghost, you get love? Hmm? The old song said, It makes me love everybody. You know, you don't have to pray, but you pray because you love to pray. You love to have fellowship with God. And it's important to pray because when you run up on a problem, you're prepared to handle the problem. That's one reason people can't handle their problems. They do the very little praying. And most of the time, they're instructing God instead of having ears to hear what God is saying. It's important to hear what he's saying. He said to the seven churches, he that hath the ear to hear, let him do what? Listen. Listen to this man. It's a George Floyd in Minnesota 
where this took place. You all know what happened there, this right, and what it done to the nation. But this man's name was Josh. He was a missionary, traveled in minimum about 10 countries a year, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was scheduled to go back to Portugal, and he really wanted to leave. But all of this rioting and burning was happening next to his home. And he felt like a, such a burden for his home town. So he prayed and asked the Lord, shall I go back to Portugal or should I stay here? And if I stay here, what do you want me to do? What a prayer. I don't know, Joe, did y'all pray that? Ask the Lord what he wanted you to do? She's shaking her head. That showed him what to do. I mean, if you pray the things concerning to God, he'll show you what to do. And here's, here's what he said the Lord told him to do. I got it marked here. I'm going to just take my time on this. Because it's happening in our day. And uh, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? So I asked God, said, will you show me a sign so I won't miss what you want to go back to Portugal or stay here? And he said, the Lord of the Spirit of the Lord told him, so there's a man named L.T. Thompson, that he's a black man, and he's an evangelist. Call him to come to Minnesota where all this writing's going on. You be his assistant and listen to him. So he came. They went out there at the edge of the right. They got him a little platform and built it and got up on it. And started singing about Jesus. If they sang about Jesus and they talked about Jesus and what he could do and about his love, now, they in a hateful group, a hateful situation. As they sang and talked about Jesus and worshiped Jesus, anybody want to guess what happened? Atmosphere changed. Hmm? I mean, you know that worship and praise will change the atmosphere. Huh? Sister Rhonda Marlon was telling me about Brooke one time, about singing. I want you to know it'll work. When you start singing in the worst condition, you may not feel like praying, but if you'll sing, you'll change the atmosphere. Love is greater than hate. Where sin is abound and the grace of God much more abound. As they began to sing and worship God, here's what it said. People from every background there, atheist, anti-Christ, Muslim, you name the ethnic groups was there, all of them quit what they were doing, started lifting their hands and praising and worshiping Jesus. Worshiping Jesus. Not only that, they went expecting something to happen. They carried a pickup with them. In the back of this pickup, they had to look like you see it here in the picture. It looked like a cattle trough or horse trough where they put water in. They had that full of water. 
And as they spoke about Jesus, people began to say, I want to be baptized. I want to see Christ. Said we lost count after we baptized so many. Said that whole group and atmosphere changed. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So let's start lifting up Jesus. In the worst condition you have in your life, lift up Jesus. Sing a little song to Jesus. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It don't take much to let you let. Mm. I remember one time, they had the youth camp over at Lone Star at night, and they turned all the lights off, and it was dark as pitch in there. But they had given every one of them young people a little candle. One by one, row by row, they began to turn them little candles on. The first thing you know, the first one didn't matter nothing. You couldn't hardly tell it was on. But when the whole congregation had all the little lights burning, that whole place lit up. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I mean, you know that one person can make a difference. These people made a difference in that right. One of probably the greatest rights that America's ever had, much more damage, because somebody chose to go there, begin to sing about Jesus, say some words about Jesus, and they went prepared, expecting. Why do you think they carried that pickup, that trough in the back of it, full of water? Why, anybody think, why do you think they carried that? Huh? Say that out loud. When we act on the Word of God, we must expect God to do what He said He's going to do. They expected God to do what He said He was going to do when they sang songs, and the men's hearts would be changed and melted. You know, the love can melt the hardest of all hearts. The love of God. Oh, the love of God. We're going to close with this. And David's men come and told him that Abigail's husband won't let us have no food, even though we've been protecting him all this time. The Bible said he fastened on his side Goliath's sword. And the age, anger, and rage. He took his 600 men, mighty men of value, with him. And he made this statement. When I leave that village, there will be not one male left alive. Not one. I don't know how many other men he had beside the 600 mighty men of value. But on his way, Abigail loaded down some donkeys and set out. And she met him. One woman. Brother Sam preached a message back one time here not so long ago about women back then had no rights and no, had no authority. I know I had my mother tell me one time when I was working in the field about women back then and her parents and mothers and them, how bad they had it. This one woman come down and knelt at the feet of the king and said,
said, my Lord, I want to talk to you. But her atmosphere of love and the way she talked to him, she changed the man's mind that the women danced in the streets and said, David has killed his tens of thousands. And whom God had said he's a mighty man of war. David was a mighty man of war. But she changed his heart. She changed his mind just by talking to him. I believe she talked love to him. Just love. Quiet voice turned away the heart of a man that was in rage. You might call him a maniac. What he would set out to do. God has said, if I be lifted up, when you talk the love of Christ to people, you're lifting up Christ. I will draw all men to myself, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Start looking for some great and mighty things to happen in your life. Talk great things. Think great things. And watch God do great things in your life. Expect something to happen when you pray. Look for it. Habakkuk said, if it don't come today, it'll come tomorrow. Keep expecting. Expect a greater harvest. There's a mighty harvest can be had. A man called me the other day from another state. He said, I'm really disturbed. He's in the ministry. So many churches closing in this state. It's shocking as I go around. It grieves the heart of God, but he wants a revival in your life and my life. I don't know how you feel this morning, but I feel great. I feel the miracle working power of God is at work. Some say, well, I wish I could see it. I wish he'd hurry up. You can't hurry him up. All you have to do is believe. Believe. Larry Lee built a huge church in Dallas. He invited Dr. Cho to come. Today he pastors the largest church in the world, Dr. Cho, almost one million people. They carried him golfing. They got out there, and as they was hitting off the tee, they looked around, and Dr. Cho was gone. Was gone. Finally, they looked over to the cart, there he was over there. So they went over and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm reading the word of God. They said, well, how did you build a church of a million? He said, I pray and I believe. I pray and I believe that God will give what I pray. So when you pray, believe, okay? Expect it to happen. I expect you to have a better life. Glory to God. I said I was going to quit. I guess I'm going to have to repent. Jim Symbol's got a little book. Has a church in Brooklyn, New York. In the worst parts of New York. Said you wouldn't dare walk down the streets of that place. In an old theater. They remodel it. Seats 4,000. They have four services on Sunday. Prayer meeting on Tuesday night. Can't even get in the church. The little book says you're meant for more.
than what you have. Brian Houston in Australia said, you're meant for more than what you receive. God wants you to have more. How many believe that God wants you to have more? There's more to be had. He's not limited. He wants to pour out what he has on us. God bless you. The rest of this day you're going to have what? More. Look for more. Expect more. Expect a mighty revival breaking forth in your life, in my life, in this nation. God bless you. Could we pray together? If you have, need a prayer, if you'd like for us to pray with you, you can either come down here and we'll, we'll, we'll pray for you this morning before we go home. That God would help you to see a vision of more. Dear loving Jesus, we thank you for the vision that you've given us. We thank you that you bring forth what you said you was going to bring forth. The wonderful blessings of God upon this nation, God, and upon your people, God. Throughout this world, Lord, let the mighty revival, the winds blow mightily, Lord, and bring the mighty soul from the east and north and the south and the west into the kingdom of God. That is your will that your house be full, that none should perish. We ask these things in the holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you in the holy name of the Lord.